All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We've got seven-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion, Detroit Lions legend, Lomas Brown. Lomas, has everything going for you? I'm doing great, Zach. You made the big fella sound great just then. Thank hey, you. Absolutely. <laughs> Appreciate you taking the time. So I want to ask you a little bit about your Lions because I've been talking to a lot of people this summer, and I kept saying, who's the team this year that's going to surprise a lot of people? And everybody kept saying, I know you, this sounds crazy, but the Lions, I feel like they've got something coming. I was actually talking, I interviewed your former teammate, Benny Blades, before the season. And I said, hey, are you feeling some interesting kind of vibe this year about the Lions? Because I feel like they've been down for a while, but there seems to be some momentum. He said there's going to be a good group, and they're third in the NFC North, so what the hell's going on? I know, man. It's basically the same thing that went on last year, Zach. It's the defense. We know we're having problems stopping teams. We're getting leads, and you can't finish the game. And then you know that's a problem, especially in the NFL, where you have so many great quarterbacks and you got just so many great players in the NFL. So basically, we can't stop the run. That leads to passes being completed to uh, over us so it's just kind of been like a snowball effect and coming into the season just like you say you talked to Benny and you talked to other alumni we all thought that the team yeah. would be a lot better especially on the defensive side of the ball but so far in the first four games they haven't what have been your thoughts on Jeff Akuda through four games you know, I like Jeff. He's taken the beating with our media, and he's taken the beating in the national media, but I don't know, understand why. The guy hasn't given up a touchdown pass. He's faced some of the best receivers in the league. You know, yeah, he's been targeted a lot, which is going to happen if you're a rookie in this league. You're going to get tested. I don't care what position you play. You're going to get tested. So he's supposed to have a lot of balls thrown at him. He's supposed to be targeted a lot. So to me, he hasn't given up a touchdown. He hasn't given up, I think, maybe one long play of maybe 30 yards. So other than that, to me, he's been solid. But he has taken the beating in the media for some reason, and I really don't understand why. Do you think they still have a shot at the wild card? Because I don't think the Bears are legit. No, that's going to be hard, man. You can't even think about that at this point where the Lions are right now. They definitely have to look at things. They can't even look at a game to game. They got to look <laughs> at it quarter by quarter at this point, man. So to say wild card, to say they have a chance, you know, I wouldn't even say something like that, especially with the first four games being NFC games. You know, you won in three in the NFC already, so that kind of puts you behind the eight ball. You lost two games in your division already. So you, you're really in a hole right now. So to me, they just need to concentrate on quarter by quarter. They got four quarters against Jacksonville coming up. They just need to concentrate on that first quarter of the game. Do you think Patricia could be doing something differently? I hope so. You know, I know Coach isn't calling the defense. I know uh, Corey Underlin is the um, defensive coordinator. But you got to change it up. You got to do something different. You can't continue to have the same thing happen that's been going on, which is you you can't stop teams on uh, versus the run. You can't get off the field on third down, you know, and you can't put pressure on the opposing passer. All those sounds like a recipe for disaster. So if that can't happen the way you've been playing so far, you got to change it up. Whether you show blitz, 
and don't bring it or you show blitz and do bring it, whether you change up different looks from man to zone or play some type of hybrid man zone, it's just something that's just going to have to change in what they've been doing over the last three to four weeks. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, so I want to I ask you about your college career. So how did you end up in Florida? Well, basically, you know, I had I'm from Miami um, and my senior year, I had to get up out of Miami. I really did. I started running with the wrong group of guys. Uh-oh, I'm getting interrupted by WRJR traffic. Sorry about that. Something, anything interesting? I don't know how that, yeah, I don't know. But, but, yeah, I don't know, but, but, uh, is that all right? If that's in the back, okay. But, yeah, basically, I had to leave Miami, man. I had to go to get away from Miami and, Gainesville was five hours up the road, and it was the best decision that I ever made to get out of Miami because Miami can consume you and everything. I don't even know. I wish I knew how to cut this down. And I don't even know why it just came on all of a sudden. There's so many buttons up here. Okay, now it's gone. Good. All right. Maybe it's, hopefully it's not that bad of an accident that the TV turns yeah. on by. That's how you know it's about when the TV turns on by itself to tell you some traffic. You know you're not. You're gonna go a different. Hey, you, hey look. Nah, <laughs> and I I get spooked when sometimes I got my phone sitting there and Siri just mysteriously takes up my conversation. I'm like, wait a minute, Siri. Something's going on, man. Yeah. Now, it's, it's very interesting. How yeah. yeah. So, I have a, so I have a question. So what, what, did, when you, you when you committed to Florida, when you first got there, what was your experience like? Was it an adjustment period for you or was it relatively easy? It was. It was. And you have to think about it now. You know, I'm a lot, a lot older than you. So and, and, and uh, you know, if, if we talk about things and we get serious for a minute, you know, Zach, back in the 80s, you know, it wasn't a lot of black linemen back in the 80s, you know, and it was almost kind of like with the quarterback thing. They didn't think blacks were smart enough to play the offensive line, you know, so it wasn't a lot. So I didn't see a lot of guys that played my position when I got to the University of Florida. Now that that's completely changed now over the years. I mean, it's equal opportunity on the offensive line. But it wasn't like that before. So it was an adjustment period when I got to the University of Florida, not only from the standpoint of adjusting to on the field, but more so off the field with my new surroundings and my new teammates. So, yeah, it was. But it was a great experience. And like I say, if society could take from sports, meaning there's no color boundaries, we don't see that in sports. If society could be the same way as sports teams yeah. are, then we would be a better place. We yeah. really yeah. would be. It's about talent. If you can do it better than somebody That's else, right. you're going to get the job. That's exactly. how it is. That's how it was for me. Yeah. The guy next to me, my offensive guard next to me, the tight end next to me, man, I never looked at them to see what color they were. I wanted to know if this guy could block that guy or if he could help me block my guy. That's all I was interested in. Interesting. That's wild. And it, it was, it, even though it's um, Florida's in Gainesville, is it just like a? Does it feel like like a different like different planet than Miami, Gainesville? Yes, great point, Zach. Yes, it was because <laughs> Miami is all city. Yeah. I call Miami the concrete city because it is. It's down south, but it's basically all city. It's commercialized, yeah. especially with South Beach being down there. Yeah. But Gainesville 
is a college town. It's a college city. It's a small city in the middle, the central part of the Florida, whereas Miami is in the bottom of Florida. Yeah. They're in the central part of the Florida. So the way of living, everything is so much slower there. It's just a different vibe than it is from Miami. And that, and I think I, that's what I appreciated coming from Miami, going to Gainesville, Florida, was that it slowed down for me. You know, it gave me a chance to discover who I was, you know, rather than being in the rat race in Miami and everything moving at a thousand miles an hour, you know, and stuff. And especially where, you know, the University of Miami is, it's right in Coral Gables. That's right dead in the city of Miami. So it's just a whole different vibe. Like you say, that's a great point that you made, too. If if the you had been the you when you were committing, would you have considered them more but, seriously? But you know what? It was becoming the you. So a quick story. That whole 30 for 30 document, yeah. I, li- I lived that because Coach Snellenberger was recruiting me. It was like we were like the first and the second year of them coming in there and recruiting in the city. I went to Miami Springs Senior High School, and I'm going to tell you, every day, Either it was a University of Miami recruiter at my school or at my house every day. It was almost like it was almost like they were the mafia. They were invading. (laughs) I'm serious. They were invading the neighborhood. And, you know, and again, you got to remember, you know, I grew up in the all black neighborhood. So we didn't have too many people, you know, too many whites come in our neighborhood. So it was strange for my neighbors to see these white guys pulling up at my house and everything <laughs> in suits and everything every day. But it was almost like they were pressuring you. They were almost like pressuring you to go to the University of Miami, you know, that, and that's what Coach Snellenberger wanted. He said that he wanted them to come in the, the, the neighborhoods and start recruiting these kids, and that's what he did. And that's why the U turned and became what it became because of them re- finally recruiting in the city. But that, I, don't, I didn't remember that until really my junior and senior years and, and and high school when they really started recruiting heavy in the city of Miami. Were you telling them you're not interested or were you just still con- deciding? No, my dad, they had my dad hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Coach Snellenberger had my dad. You couldn't say anything bad about the University of Miami or Coach Snellenberger to my dad. And, you know, and again, one of the things that happened was my dad had a heart attack uh, my senior year um, in high school, because I had took one of my visits. I was actually going to go to the University of Pittsburgh. Oh, really? I visited, yeah, I visited the same time that Bill Frelick visited the University of Pittsburgh, and I just fell in love with it because, you know, University of Pittsburgh is like a city within a city. Of course. You know, and it just kind of reminded me of Miami so much. So I was going to go there, and then my father had this heart attack uh, last game of my senior year, so I decided to stay closer to home to help my family um, and everything. So that's how 
you know, it came down to the University of Miami and the University of Florida. But like I said earlier, I knew I needed to get away from Miami, <laughs> at least get up the road a couple of hours from Miami. Absolutely. And then so were, were you focused on the NFL while at Florida or were you just focused on college at the time? No, I, I didn't have you, – you know, it's strange about what happened to me. Uh, and this has been pretty much my whole career. So I was in the band. My ninth, seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. What'd you and play? I, and you I play? played the trombone, baby. I was good too. Are you still? Zach. Can you? Can you? If I hand it to you right now, Zach, can you still play? I, I can't. I can't cut a note right now, Zach. <laughs> but I, I said I might take it back up. Hey. But I hey, look, Zach. I'm gonna tell you how I impress. I'm, I'm about to impress you. So I made it all the way up the second string, second chair trombone with braces in my mouth. Huh? Come on now, Zach. Give me some credit. Braces. And pressing against that thing, you know, that's so, yeah, man. But so when my first day of high school, when I got there, I wasn't I didn't play football. My first day of high school, I went in, signed up for classes. I was coming out the auditorium and somebody was like, hey, so I turned around and I didn't know it, but it was the principal of the school. So he called me over. His name was Alex Bromir. And he asked me, he said, did you sign up for varsity sports? And I was like, no. So he just grabbed me by the arm and took me back in the auditorium. And he signed me up for varsity sports. And I didn't know what it was he signed me up for. It was the last period of the day. And come to find out it was football that he signed me up for. And see, I was always the type of kid that I never liked to disappoint people. Even though I didn't want to do something, I would do it because I didn't want to disappoint people. So I went out there because he signed me up for football. And I went out there day one, and then I went out there day two and day three. And then, like they say, the rest is history, you know. And that's how my football career started. Now, you fast forward to Florida like you asked me. I went to Florida. I got a scholarship to go to the University of Florida. I went there just because I was able – uh-oh, do you still see me? No, I don't. I think you cut I out. I know. Somebody trying to call me right <laughs> All now. Good. Let me decline this. Let me decline this. All good. All right, cool. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, so so uh, went there to the University of Florida, and what happened was my junior year, this agent was there to see Wilbur Marshall. Yeah. Um, famous linebacker, yeah. and he had a list, and he just happened to show me the list, and I was the 84th ranked person in my junior year on this list, and that was the list, the scouting combine list. I had never knew, never known where I was, never knew, never thought about the NFL because I didn't know that was a possibility then. And when he showed me I was ranked 84th on that list in my junior year, that's what propelled me my senior year to play as hard as I did and to elevate myself to the Lions taking me where they took me in the draft and everything. So that just kind of happened too, Zach. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. everything for me is kind of happened for me in my career. It's not something that I sat down and say I'm planning on doing this, this, and this. Things kind of fell my way. Now, that's a lot of hard work had yeah. to go with it, you know. But, again, things kind of fell my way for me. I saw that you had no idea they were looking at you. No. 
I didn't. I really didn't. Like I say, if it wasn't for that scout, and I think it was the Blesto or whatever the scouting thing he showed me. And like I say, right then I was ranked number 84th. And I think back then, because we had 12 rounds when I got drafted. So that's what? That would have been like the third round or something? Yeah. Maybe three times? No, no. That actually would have been – well, yeah, it would have been about the third round because, yeah. yeah, somewhere around that time. Yeah. So – yeah, so I just kind of went from that point, and yeah, that's when I first had a clue, Zach. I have a question. Did they have you do like a rookie skit when you were there? And, and oh did yeah, they, they, did you? They know about yeah. the trombone. They know about the yeah, trombone. Yeah, they didn't know about the. I'm glad oh. I didn't let them know about the trombone, <laughs> Zach. But I, yeah, I had to sing a love song because I I actually didn't know. I drew a blank on the fight song for the University of Florida. I couldn't recall it. So I had to come up with one of the OJs. This is a group called the OJs, one of their love yeah. songs. I know that's that's that that song is probably older than you are, Zach. <laughs> now I was I was watching the thing yesterday. They uh, Jimmy Kimmel had Kareem and DeAndre Ayton on a show that night. They had some generation thing, and he was asking uh, Kareem about all this popular stuff now, and asking Ayton about all the stuff from back then. Ayton didn't know anything. I'm like, I don't know, what, <laughs> I know exactly where he's. Been. Kareem knew all the new stuff though. Kareem Kareem keeps up. He knows what's going hey, on. Hey, when, well, when you got grandkids, because I got oh, yeah. a 16 year old granddaughter, and I got young kids. That's how you keep up with the trends. You're right. You're yeah. right. So, so when you first get to Detroit, I saw that there was a little bit of a contract dispute. So you, is it true that you didn't really suit up for like mini camps or anything? You just kind of got there preseason. Yeah, that is what happened. And again, that's part of my skit. What happened in my skit? That's why I had the scene because I did. I had contract problems. The thing that hurt me was. That's the year that the USFL folded. The, the with Donald Trump yeah. was over. That so the year they folded was the year I came out. Everybody else, all the years before me, were able to use that as leverage. Yeah. And the year I came out, I didn't have any more leverage. Bill Frelick, who was the first lineman drafted in the draft, I was the second lineman drafted. Bill Frelick had wrestling. So he was threatening to go to WWE and wrestle. And he actually had leverage. So that's how he was able to get his money. But me, once the USFL went out, I didn't have any leverage. So the only thing I could do is hold out my services. And that's what I had to do my first, my, uh, during my rookie year. It caused me to come in my third game of the season. Uh-oh. Here we go. So, so I'm figuring this out. It's the weather report <laughs> that's going on. That's what happened. Like a tornado is going on? What's going on with it? No, uh, it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm at the radio station. From the weather shop sponsored by Window World. I'm at the radio station, but window shout out, shout out to Window World. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm sorry about oh, good. Yeah. And you see all these buttons now. Yeah. Nine million buttons. It's like you're a pilot. It's the same yeah. set. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. It's, it's, so, so when you're talking about uh, kind of like having leverage, I, I interviewed um, Dexter Manley a couple weeks ago, and his, oh, his, his leverage was something I've never heard of before. He told me that he told Gibbs he was going to go to Canada. 
Oh, Canadian football. Yeah, I don't. He said he had no intention of doing wow. it. He, he was just trying to drive it up. Maybe it worked. I don't know if that works now. Wow. So I don't so, know. So, quick question, Zach. How is he doing? Because he's know, doing he well. One of my fierce competitors. Yeah, I love Dexter, man. You know he had his demons, man. Yeah. But dude was a ball player. Yeah. So he's doing good. Yeah, he's doing a lot. He's doing really well. I was I was talking to him because he he and his wife started up a, a foundation in the DC area. I think it's the Dexter and Lydia um, Foundation for Literacy and that they're helping DC youth uh, kind of put more shine more light on the issue of um, literacy because he struggled with it with so many years and they're doing a lot of great work. He's doing a lot, doing really well, but he was, awesome. he, was, he was, yeah, I'm glad it's great work they're doing. And it was awesome to talk to him. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was so, what did he say to me? He said something, I was asking him like, did you ever have any interesting experiences? You know, the Philly fans are interesting. The Eagles fans are oh, yeah. in a league of their oh, own. Oh, I, I said, I said, did you have any interesting experiences? He's like, yeah, one time they threw a boiled egg at me. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You get a boiled egg. <laughs> that's going to hurt more. Yeah. That, that's, that's, getting that's, that's getting in the yeah. helmet. That's getting in the helmet. You got to respect it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and then, so speaking of Dexter, who was who the toughest guy for you to block your whole career? So it was three guys, but the toughest was Lawrence Teller. Lawrence Teller. Richard Dent and um, Chris Dolman were the three toughest ones. More so, I think more so with LT, it was his mystique. It was just the aura around that dude, man. He just wrecked your whole week, just repent, <laughs> just preparing for him. Richard Dent was just, man, one of my close friends, but just, man, his nickname was Dirty Dent. <laughs> and yeah, he lived up to the nickname, man. Just a great guy off the field, but just a fierce, fierce competitor on the field. Like I say, we had some battles. If think about it, I played against Richard probably maybe like 13, 14 wow. times. And then Chris Dolman, when he was with the Minnesota Vikings, we came in together in 1985. So we battled the whole time he was in Minnesota from our rookie years on. And you know, God bless the dead, man. You know, yeah. so unfortunate that he's gone now. But you talking about one of the great, oh, yeah. great players that ever played this game. And, you know, the difference in those guys, you know, like a J.J. Watt, some of the guys like that, it's the size of those guys. You know, those guys have some size on them, and they were quick. So they could beat you outside. But they could also uh, run you over or beat you to the inside because they were so big and they were so gifted. So those were the three best that I've ever played against. And you could sprinkle in Bruce Smith. You could sprinkle in Derek Thomas. You know, it's a lot of guys I yeah. played against over my 18-year career. It's a lot of Hall of Famers I played yeah. against that deserve their recognition. Did, did you intertwine in the, divisionally when Reggie White was on the Packers? Oh, yeah. And uh, you know what I was thankful for? That he was on the other side, that he lined <laughs> up against the right tackle. I didn't want to face the minister of defense. Look, I faced that. Okay, so, you know, when you, you go to the Pro Bowl, you know, they take three tackles. Yeah. So the third tackle has to play both sides, left and right tackle. So, you know, I went to, you know, I was fortunate to go to a few Pro Bowls. Yeah. So I was the third tackle a couple of those Pro Bowls. So I actually had to go over there on the side and practice against Reggie. And all I could say to you is, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you talking about strong, that man there, my. I don't see how guys blocked him, man. I just don't, man. The dude was and, – and the nicest guy – 
you ever wanted to meet in your entire life, man. Real nice. He would say a prayer over you and just wreck your world after saying the prayer. He would help you up, say another prayer over you, <laughs> wreck your world again, and help you up. That was Reggie White. That's incredible. So, so even in a Pro Bowl, which is like you guys aren't taking it 100%, he was going 100%? No, he wasn't. But, you know, I just felt it. You could feel the sheer power and the strength of that man. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. And he was so famous for, you remember that club or that hump move yeah. he had? He would take 300-plus-pound 300 men and hump them out the screen. We used to watch film, and he would throw a 300-pound man out of the screen of the film. You'd be like, wait a minute, what just happened? You know, so, yeah, man, I didn't want to face that, and I'm glad I didn't have to face that. Is there anybody in the league today that you're glad you never had to face? Probably. I, I, I like the way two guys, J.J. Watt, because he has a motor. And yeah. those guys there, guys that go all day long and guys that have skill, those are guys that give you problems. And probably Aaron Donald, uh, probably another guy, because that guy, man, he is – he's a different breed. He's just different. I thought John Randall was a different breed when he played. But I tell you what, Aaron Donald, he's a different breed too. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And then, so what was your first experience like when meeting Barry Sanders and kind of playing alongside him? So the little fella, you know, I got an opportunity because I was already there. I was in my fourth year when we drafted here. And thank goodness we did because my whole world changed. The whole trajectory of my career changed once we got buried. Hell, nobody paid attention to the Lions before we got buried. We weren't even getting, getting any Monday night. We wouldn't get no primetime game. The only game we had primetime was the Thanksgiving game because we had that forever. Yeah. Once we got buried, all that changed. Monday night, Sunday night, whatever night, we would. they wanted us because of him. But it was just how shy he was and his demeanor when he first got there. You know, he was almost like just a little kid, man. His his whole uh, syllable consisted of, uh, of probably about five words. Is that right? Oh, really? <laughs> I thought so. You know, that's how he would, you know, it was just that that's how B was, a humble guy. And he was that way his whole career as far as how humble he was. Put it this way, for I blocked for him for seven of his 10 years. And you know, Barry took a lot of losses in his career. Never once in the seven years that I was there, and I'm quite sure it didn't happen in the 10 years that he was there, did he ever once get up and point a finger at an offensive lineman and say anything about you should have got that block or anything like that. And that's the thing that, you know, I remember about how Barry was, and that's what made you want to go all out for him each and every play, man. That made you want to block harder for the guy because he was just a good guy. I know I was talking to uh, to Solomon Wilcots, and he said yeah. that he matched up against Barry Oklahoma State when he was at Oklahoma State when he was a freshman, a freshman or sophomore, but he wasn't the starter. So he said they were worrying about Thurman Thomas. We're worrying about Thurman Thomas, and apparently he heard from somebody else. He said, "Hey, Thurman Thomas is great, but you don't want to see this other guy we got." And he's thinking, "Who's better than Thurman Thomas?" And apparently he took it to the house on a kick return. So. <laughs> yes, that was Barry, man. Yeah. But could you imagine? Being his high school coach and you got him at defensive back, what was that coach thinking about, man? I'm like, <laughs> what in the world? 
Yes. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. And it, it's wild. And then, so do you think, um, so, and then, so going to all these pro bowls, I was actually, so like one word, I hate name drop people. I was talking to Willie Rofe the other day and he thinks it's a travesty that you're, that you're not in Canton. He thinks it's a travesty. He was sending me man. stats. He was sending me yeah. everything. He goes, so, so what do you, do you think is just, that's my guy, man. What, what, what do I you love think? Willie, man. Love <laughs> awesome. Willie, man. That's my guy. You know, so me and Willie got close because I worked out with Mackie Shieldstone, who's one of the most famous trainers on this planet. He That's a Serena Williams trainer. Oh, wow. So he's he's based in New Orleans. So I used to fly down every year. I did that for 11 years. I would fly down to New Orleans and stay down there a month or two and train with Mackie. So that's when I got the opportunity to hang out with Willie. I used to go to his house. We would just hang out, man, even work out sometime together. So we we became real, real close. And that's my guy, man. Love Willie, man. And he deserved to go in the Hall of Fame. The thing I say about the, the Hall, Zach, is that, you know, I look at Emmett, his offensive line. He only has one guy in there, Larry Allen, off yeah. the great offensive line he had. You look at the Steelers. Um, back in the day off their offensive line. It's just Mike Webster in there. You look at the the Hogs. They don't have a lot of representatives no. in there off their, their, their great offensive line. So, you know, I just know that offensive linemen, they're getting their value now. But I think when you talk about in the past, I think we were undervalued a lot. And, you know, a lot of us can't do anything about our stats now. Our stats are what they are. They can't change. There's no. nothing we can do about them now. So, you know, I just think they got a lot more metrics now that they measure these guys off than they didn't have when we were coming in there. And the other thing I'll say is now that my little fella, Barry Sanders, I call him the little big fella now. <laughs> now that he's more out there yeah. and he's more out socially, doing more commercials, yeah. out more in the general public, I think people will be like, hmm, you know, Barry, yeah, he was great, great Hall of Famers. He must have had somebody blocked for him. Yeah. And I think that's how things kind of start, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it may not happen. Or it may happen, but it kind of goes along with how I told you everything else has happened in my life, Zach. I didn't go out. I didn't play in the NFL to get in the Hall of Fame, even though I thought about it towards the end of my career. But when I got in the NFL, that was my objective was to go to the Hall of Fame. So if it happens, it'll be just like everything else in high school and college happened for me in my life. You should, you should learn how to do the trump the trombone again just so you can do a little solo. <laughs> Be like, you hey. know what? You know what? I'm gonna do that. That's a great yeah. idea. You know what? If I get in, I am gonna play a little that my man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you can, I, yeah, you can do that. That'd be, that'd be wild. That'd be incredible. And so yeah. I saw after your time in Detroit, you bounced around a little bit, and then and then then finally you finally got to the Super Bowl. What was that like? It was awesome. You know, now again, you know, I lost the Super Bowl with the Giants. Yeah. So my first Super Bowl experience was in 2000 when we lost against the Ravens. Yeah. Um, and I was on the New York Giants team. But it was awesome, Zach. It was awesome. And a quick story about that. I played next to Glenn Parker. Glenn Parker is an offensive guard that played on the Buffalo Bills team that lost four straight Super Bowls. So the night before the, my first Super Bowl, Glenn came up to me. He was like, Lomas, he said, if we lose this game, 
it's going to be the worst pain you ever felt in your life. And I just kind of brushed them off, Zach. Yeah, okay, Glenn, I know you lost four. You know, I know. Man, when that whistle went off and we lost that game, he was so – man, I was so distraught, man. He was so right, man. It was the worst pain, football pain, I had ever felt in my life. He was so right. And I was just in amazement. How could you lose four of these in a row? You know, so it, it was. And then winning it, it's the complete opposite. It's just such a high – you know, when I won it with Tampa Bay under Coach Gruden two years later, it was just such the ultimate high because I had reached the peak. I had reached the ultimate goal in my sport. And that was the first time out of all my years, 18 years in the pros, four years at the University of Florida, and three years at Miami Springs Senior High School, the Golden Hawks, that I had ever won. You know, I had never won until my 18th year in the NFL. So I had finally reached the pinnacle, Zach, and it felt oh so great. Would you have rather won it early on and then never won another one or win it towards the end? You know what? That's a great, great point. No, I think I I think I appreciated it towards the end of my career. I really do. I think if I would have won it early, I wouldn't have appreciated it. I probably took it for granted, you know, because I remember we went to the play, we went to the NFC championship game in 91. Of course, we lost it to Dexter Manley and them, and we lost to the Washington Redskins. And we thought at that point, because we were right there, remember we had beat the Dallas Cowboys that had the triplets. They had Troy yeah. and all those guys. We had spanked them and lost against Washington. But we thought we were going to get back year after year. You know, we thought that was just the beginning of us getting back. And we never got back there. We never got close to getting back to that point again, you know, in the rest of my career with the, the Detroit Lions. So, you know, I'm get, again, I'm glad I got it later, yeah. probably there earlier. I have a question. What, what's your best Gruden story? Oh, my God. So my best story about Coach is, you know, he butted heads with Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah. Of course, that was famous, how he butted heads with Keyshawn. Oh, my God. People, I, people are speeding today. I know, man. This is the weather. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. But. But my, my best story about him is that, Zach, when I got to Tampa Bay, I was actually older than Coach Gruden. I was a year older than Coach. So I could handle anything that he did or said, you know, because I, I, I'm, I'm coming from the same perspectives as he's coming from. A dad, you know, we're in our mid-30s. You know what I'm saying? We passed our mid-30s. So, we, you know, we know this stuff. So, you know, when he would say things and get on guys, you know, it's, it resounded to me. It sounded good to me. But to those guys, to a football player, it might not have. So that's how he would butt heads. So to me, me and Coach Gruden, before every practice, we would run by each other. We would high-five each other before 
every practice. Either he would find me or I would find him. And that was just kind of our bond that me and him had. And again, I think because I was older than him, you know, and everything, I could understand where he was coming from. Where a lot of those younger guys, it might have sounded like white noise to them, but it didn't <laughs> sound that way to me because I'm living it. I'm yeah. living it at that point. Zach, at the tender age of 38, wow. Coach Gruden was 38. I was 39. Were you surprised he left Monday Night Football to go take the Raiders gig? You know, I always knew, and you could, man, if you ever sit down with Coach, which I got an opportunity, you know, a couple opportunities too. I have his number. I call yeah. him, you know, and see him. You just knew football is in his blood. It yeah. was just burning, man. You could just, even when you start talking football with him, he just gets so passionate. You just knew he was going to come back, and it just had to be the right situation. You know, and 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 I think the Vegas Raiders presented the right situation for him. He was able to kind of like go back home to Raider Nation, and it was the perfect fit for him. I don't know if he either did that for any other organization or maybe very few organizations, but I know that organization fit Coach Gruden just perfectly. Yeah, and then so I just I got one last question for you. So I know you're you do a lot uh, do a lot in the community there, and I saw that I think so. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know you you do you're doing a lot to kind of give back. Yeah, Zach. So that's how my name kind of got big in the community here. It wasn't for what I did on the football field because I came in as an offensive lineman, and you know we're the faceless five. The only yeah. time they hear a lineman name is. It's if you got a penalty or you did something wrong. So to me, my thing is once and when I first got here to Detroit in the 80s, I immersed myself in the community. I said I would make my name through the community. And, you know, the football thing, that would take care of itself. But I want and, – and it was my passion. You know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club. You know, those were some of the early uh, organizations that I worked with and I still deal with to this day. But it was always directed at kids. That's always been my purpose. Anything I've done from my foundation to volunteer work to charitable things that I do is always directed at the betterment of our youth because that's who's going to lead us, Zach. You guys, y'all are going to lead us, yep. man. You know, and we have to make sure you guys are coming up with the best quality education, the best quality of everything that you can so you can succeed in leading us into our next generation. So yeah. that's why my focus has always been on kids, has always will be on kids. I got five, got five kids and five, four grandkids of my own. So I know how important it is to nurture kids when they're young. You got to get them when they're young, Zach, because it's too hard once they get set in their yeah. ways and you're adult. I'm a stubborn adult, you know, <laughs> so I know how it is. Once you become an adult, you get stuck in your ways. So that's why it's always been towards the kids, and that's why I got grounded in this community back in Michigan. That's awesome. That's awesome. Actually, one last question I can, I'm surprised I didn't ask you. Who's the best left tackle in football today? Wow. So that's a great, great question. I like, I know he's not the best right now, but I love Jason Peters. I love his feet. Yeah, man. The dude has some sweet feet. Undrafted, right undrafted now, tight end. Absolutely, man. And, and, and how long he's lasted, but just at the level he played at, I was telling Big V, Big Vitae, the big uh, tackle that we signed, I was telling, I, I love, 
the tandem of Jason uh, Peters and Lane Johnson. I thought I thought he learned from two of the best. But right now, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on who I think is the best left. Because I, I I got the, I know who it is. Who is I'm it? Just uh, drawing uh, a blank. Smith or Luan? I know. Th- well, Smith has been having a, a lot of problems. I yeah. like Taylor Luan. I do like Taylor. Uh, but I think Tyron has been having a lot of health problems, especially yeah. with his neck. So yeah. he hadn't been playing at the level. Um, that I think he he should be playing that. I love watching Joe Thomas when he was in the game, you know, playing like that. So yeah, I'm just drawing a little blank right now. But it's it. But I still say Zach, it's not like when we were in the game, you know, because either the coaches don't have time to teach the technique to the college and to high schools like they used to because of time restraints, because of practice restraints. I don't know what it is. But these guys, they don't come in with the technique that we have. And you have to have technique. I don't care what position you play. When you're struggling, then you got to go back and refine your technique. If you don't have technique to start with, then you're going to always find yourself struggling. And then you're going to wonder why you can't get out the struggle. You don't have the technique to get out the struggle. So to me, that's one of the basic fundamentals I think is missing in all the football and not just on the pro level. I think on the college and high school level too. Interesting. Interesting. Well, that, that's really the questions I really have for you. How can people find you on social media and keep up with you? Well, uh, you know, Zach, <clears throat> I'm not a big social media guy. I got people <laughs> doing that for me, but I, I do Twitter. I'm Lomas Brown on Lomas Brown 75 on Twitter. I think that's how you say it, at Twitter. Uh, My daughter does a little bit with my Facebook. So don't get mad if you go to Facebook and it takes me a minute to get back with you. I don't go on there a lot, but I do those things like that. And, uh, and, And by the way, if you're ever in the Detroit area, Michigan area, WJR, we call the Lions game. I know they're not very popular right now, but one day they're going to be popular. I, one day the Lions are going to be the Patriots. So That's right. Absolutely. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But this, right. but this has been a lot of fun, so I just wanted to thank you again for taking time. This has been awesome. Thanks, Zach. No problem.